What's up, Clitorati? Where are our poly people at? So today we're exploring the world of polyamory in an effort to normalize this relationship structure. Our inspiring guest today is on a mission to help polyamory's image crisis as a seemingly Hinduistic playground exclusive to affluent people. He's been practicing ethical non-monogamy since August of 2002 after opening up a relationship that eventually became his marriage. He is an expert inside of the conversation unpacking the way that racism and systematic oppression of black and brown people affects the way we date and become intimate. He's a polyamory educator and the author of Love's Not Colorblind. Please welcome the inspiring Kevin Patterson. So he was such an enthralling guest. We actually started our conversation. We had to just press the record button. So you're going to hear Katie pick up the conversation. We're going to jump right into toxic monogamy. Enjoy. So this whole conversation is reminding me of one of your articles where you state part of unlearning toxic monogamy and dating in polyamorous spaces, there needs to be a divorce from our expectations around other people's time, bodies, and responses. Mm -hmm. So can you define toxic monogamy and what would be your advice to someone entering a polyamorous space? Toxic monogamy is when you go to your local clothing store and you see a shirt that says, stay away from my man or I'll cut you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's this idea that as long as we're defending what we view as ours, our property, and by property, I mean our romantic relationship, that everything is fine, that any manner of negativity is okay, that like I, I don't do it in, it's been a while since I've done it, but I used to post under the hashtag monogamy so fragile on my Facebook page because it was just a showcase of people doing things that are abusive or controlling, but we find it funny because they're just defending their relationship. I saw a wedding ring that had married stitched on the inside, engraved on the inside. So if you take off the ring, it's still embedded on the <sighs> finger. That's some trust right Um, there. (laughs) There was an episode of Steve Harvey's talk show where where a woman explained when her husband goes out by himself, she takes out a Sharpie, signs his dick, takes a picture of the signature. And then when he gets home, she compares her picture to the signature. Oh my God. Because if it's too smudged or messed up, then she knows that he's cheating. There's all these sorts of really bananas ways that we try to defend our relationships when really, why are we doing this? Why are we subjecting ourselves to this kind of nonsense? I like the idea of divorcing ourselves from like, from the entitlement of expectations. I was in a relationship a bunch of years ago and I apologize if this, oh, I tell we a love lot of it. stories. We love it. Uh, I, I was with somebody who was super busy where like she had two grad school majors and two jobs and five partners. And I'd only get to see her like once a semester, but I enjoyed the time that we spent when we spent it, but just missing this person the way that I was or wanting to spend more time, I got into a really negative space about it and we ended up breaking up. Now, not too long after that, I ended up meeting somebody else who I had like a really amazing chemistry with and they were just as busy. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make a five-year plan here. I'm not, I'm not going to, the only thing I'm going to commit to here is I'm going to try to spend time with this person. 
it's going to be awesome when we do. And mm. that's it. That's the entirety of, of the commitment that I was making. And that was in, that was seven years ago. And me and this person are still on great terms. And I try to see them when I can. It's awesome when we do. And that's it. They've gone and got married. They've moved a couple of times. I've, I've been in different relationships and so on and so forth. But when we see each other, it's still awesome. It's still love when we see each other. And that's it. I don't feel like if they don't have time for me on a day or if they've got to cancel on me or if I don't get to see them for a little while, my world is ending or that I don't get a chance at love. No, it's just next time. And that's fine too. Yeah, definitely. I, as you're sharing this, there's there are people that I've been in relationship with that the course of our relationship shifted over the course of three years. So I remember yeah. this one particular gentleman who was my first Latin lover, became one of my best friends, me and my husband's best friends. And my husband let me go over week, like a weekend trip with him to a local music festival. I like could not believe I was being granted this kind of freedom. Did he know what we were going to do? We were going to fully, <laughs> we knew we were like, I was like, okay, cool. This is amazing. And I will say we've never had another weekend since then. It was like that weekend at the same different festival was like our lovership weekend. And then over the course of that year, it was like, that was like the most extreme experience we ever got to have. But after that, we would have these maybe intimate, sexually intimate experiences, but they started to lessen over the course of, three years and literally a, a year and a half ago, he met this woman who's his now soon to be like fiance and he's in a different space. And this is still one of, I would consider someone that's one of my, I mean, he's in my community and it's like a French, it's, this is one of my friends who's just, we've been lovers at times. We've had times where we've not been in lovership with each other. And going back to what you shared earlier about like the demystifying some of the, like what poly isn't, right? Yeah. It's not sex. So what is it? It's real relationships, friendships, yeah, this it's bonding, connection. Yeah. That it goes in, I think with, even with each individual relationship ebbs and flows and the way that my husband and I have been poly over the course of the last five years has never looked the same at one point over time. Yeah. Like if I look at the last five years, not one season were we doing it the same way. And that goes the same with all of my lovers and friends that I engage with in, in a polyamorous community with that those are fluid as well. Yep. Yeah. And I know that you talk about in, in the heteronormative or not heteronormative per se, but that there's this rejection culture between that can happen where like men, where women have to have a, their guard up when turning someone down. And I've certainly experienced as a polyamorous and queer woman, this experience yeah. of really navigating the turning the quote unquote, turning someone down conversation. And it's been a beautiful because some of those conversations have actually been for the friendship. I want to pause this part of our relationship at the moment, because I feel like we can actually support each other in this capacity instead, trying to make it be a positive transmutation of the relationship, not an ending of something, but a, just a transmutation of it. Yeah. And that's sort of, that's the magic of 
consensual non-monogamy for me where it doesn't have to look the same way at the same time. Like I've got a friend where at some point, like I, I expressed the interest in her and I was like, Hey, if you ever want to date, you ever want to fool around, I'm interested. She's, you know what? I'm good. And I'm fine. But then like, we would still see each other. We still see each other, hang out, watch movies and so on. And then like, next thing you know, we're hanging out, watching a movie and she takes my hand and puts it directly <laughs> on her crotch. And I was like, Oh, all right, we're doing this now. That's fine. And then, like, when we would get together, that's what our relationship was. Like, we'd get together, hang out, eat food, watch movies, fool around. And then she ended up, like, um, getting really tied into this guy she was seeing. And so that aspect of our relationship went away. But we'd still hang out and still spend time when we could. And just the idea that just being able to take the rejection makes people feel wildly mm. safe. I've been in... I've been been in hookups i've been in relationships i've had friends where they just tell me i was really into this guy but i was sick the day we were supposed to go out or i was just really tired after work or my kids were doing too much or whatever it is i had to cancel the date and he flipped out so much that i decided i didn't want to do this anymore i've had people tell me that they called me because i was chill when they had to cancel on me so when they had to cancel on the other person and he flipped out they called me instead. Like, I've had that conversation where there are websites dedicated to it. There are message boards. There are subreddits dedicated to, like, text messages of somebody saying, hi, I'm interested in you. Sorry, i got to go. I'm not interested. And then flipping out. You're fat and ugly and terrible anyway. I was never interested right. in you in the first place. They're, like, when that's the culture, people have a right to feel unsafe or skittish about having those rejection conversations people don't delve enough into their own emotional literacy people just want to lash out and again like part of this is because they feel like they're losing a lifetime's worth of companionship all in one moment yeah Mm -hmm. it's so well said and you're really speaking to consent right in our friend group we're all really educated and sex positivity and consent. So if somebody approaches you and you're not interested, yeah. a simple no thank you is all it takes and you're not and you know you're not going to get flack for it and it does create this safety container in our friend group that I don't experience with people that aren't really well versed in consent and it's a shame that that people have to live outside of that paradigm cuz it really does create safety. Yeah. yeah. And like I've 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 oh, no, go oh, ahead. sorry, go ahead. I've 100% had people turn me down and I've 100% had people turn me down and I was really whatever about it. No big deal. Thanks for taking care of yourself. Only for that person to to hit me up sometime later and say, hey, if you're still interested, I am not interested. That that turnaround has happened enough times. And I've heard about what happens when it doesn't. I've heard about why it doesn't why that turnaround doesn't happen for other yeah. people in the same way that I've had it turn around for mm-hmm. me. So there there's there was one quote or specific thing on your website that really we I wanted we wanted you to bring in because you're really an expert on this topic and something you're really passionate about. And what it said is you're an expert in unpacking the way that racism and systematic oppression of black and brown people affects the way that we date and become intimate. Can you really break, let's lean into that. Can you educate us and break it down for us how race and dating and polyamory all intersect? We've been doing 
Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new Clitorati, and we still have our consistent OG Clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the no BS guide to self-pleasure and sexual intimacy. And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to a hundred real quick and blow any partner's mind in bed. Included in this bang and free gift is two free audio trainings, self-pleasure is self-love, and our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes and a fan favorite from our sex and empowerment signature masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing. Oh, yeah. So to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide because Clitorati, it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow. Bring your pussies to the show. A lot of us, a lot of us like in, in non-monogamous communities, we like to think ourselves as really open-minded, really, really welcoming. But then like when you bring up like, hey, but how many people of color have you dated in your dating career? And people get real quiet mm. at that. People get real quiet at that. Like people want to host a potluck. People want to host a happy hour, a movie night. And then when you look around and notice that there aren't any people of color, any black people specifically, people get real quiet about that. That's how I got my, how I got my start. Like I live in the Philadelphia area. Philadelphia, depending on which census year you're looking at, can be anywhere between 40 and 45% mm-hmm. black. So when I would go to events in the Philadelphia area and find myself as one of very few, sometimes the only black person there, I started getting loud mm. about it. I started pointing it out. Like it wasn't something I was quiet about. And it's because I'm a four, I'm about to be, I'm about to turn 44. I know what happens if I don't mm. say anything. If I don't say anything, somebody's going to say, oh yeah, no, we have black people here all the time. And then they look at me because I'm the one guy right. who's there. I know that if I go to an event, I know the photographer is going to find me and I'm going to be all over the website for next year's event to show that their diversity (laughs) is there. I'm I'm never quiet about it because somebody has to speak up about it. And and it's always a balancing act because you want to point it out, but you want to point it out in a way that allows you to still maintain a presence in the space if that's the thing that you want. Some people don't, and that's also Mm. okay. But just the same things that the same things that impact racism on a systemic level, the same things that impact racism or that 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 sort of create racism everywhere else. It doesn't stop at the door when it comes to to polyamory communities. Like I've been to places where somebody was into me because I'm black and not because I'm Mm. kept And I've always got to do that math in my head and figure out like what someone is saying 
versus what I'm hearing. Sometimes like sometimes there's a dog whistle there. Sometimes there's a microaggression there and I got to pick up on mm. all of that. There's always somebody that wants to like bring up race in a way that I'm not bringing up race. Where I've been to events where the conversation could be about video games and someone's oh, but what about black people? And <laughs> as if I was supposed to teach right. as if I was supposed to teach a class about it. One of one of the one of the saddest stories that I heard is a, a, an event organizer and an event organizer for an event that I would go to on a yearly basis was telling me about it how they had hosted something and it was like a weekend event and everything was great. They were having a good time. And somebody was like, how does it feel being the only Mexican person here? And it was something that he hadn't thought about all weekend. And then all of a sudden now he's a person, mm. he's all of a sudden he's a man apart from the, from this thing that had brought him so much community and fellowship. Before. Yeah. And like a lot of times it's not coming from a malicious place, but whether it's coming from a malicious place or not, it hits it hits and it makes you feel unwelcome and distant real fast. And so I started talking about that and talking about it led to writing about it, which led to the book, Love's Not Colorblind. And just having, just putting it into words and using more stories than just my own about the way people can get fetishized, the way people can get othered in these spaces and just the white supremacist root of all of yep. that. It doesn't just stop at the door of, of non-monogamy. A lot of it comes, a lot of it is like these dating preferences, like the way we, the way people form attractions in a lot of ways are, is based on gut reaction. And those gut reactions are based on societal standards, societal mm. modeling. So like the person that's like, oh, well, I don't date black people. There's something about them that makes, there's something going on inside them that makes them feel like black people are unworthy. If you can't, if you can look at, say, the cast of Black Panther and just not find anybody attractive in that cast, there's something, <laughs> there's going something on wrong there. with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're some, like, you're, there's men off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not the cast. They're all beautiful. You've got uh, something going mm. on with you that you should, that you should figure out, that you should confront. Because mm. it's not just, it doesn't just limit itself to your dating. Like same thing that makes you think something that makes you feel like people are unworthy of dating for whatever reason, that's going to impact that the, your friendships. That's going to impact the people that you work with. That's going to impact like I've got a, I've got people in my life where we're cool. We're acquaintances. But if I'm in a jam, these are the people that I'm not going to call. And I know that about them, you know? Yeah. And but those folks, they're like, oh, yeah, my friend Kev, Kev Kev's my buddy. Kev's not your buddy when the when the, Kev's not your buddy right. in the clutch, and because that's something that's going to come up not just in your dating record, but also in the other aspects of your life. I'm not saying go out and date black people just to prove that you <laughs> date black people. I'm saying you should examine where your attractions are coming mm. from. You should you should examine what's going on there so that you know that about yourself. Even if you have to try to like, I'm not telling you to villainize yourself. Just figure out what's going on with your with with your mindset there, because. If you see yourself as somebody who, who, you know, is worldly and loves everybody, I don't have a, I don't have a bone of hatred in your, in my body, but your bookshelf doesn't have any black authors, but your Netflix queue doesn't have any shows containing like black, you know, black protagonists. Um, you're not, a, you're not as progressive on that matter than, as you think you are. And you really should think about that because there's something mm. else going on there that you don't want to impact the other elements of your life. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. So well put. Society has impacted like the way that I think about things. And I actually was able to sit with it. And I said, God, if that, if I was able to dismantle that, 
what do I really think? What do I really feel? What do I really want? And I think that you really just said that so eloquently and to really take a look at and be honest with yourself about those things. And that, that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's insidious. Everybody wants to think of themselves in the best terms ever. Everyone wants to be the hero of their own story. And I get it. I'm the same way. We are all the same way in that regard. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, you've got to look and see, wait a minute, am I perpetuating something yeah. negative here? Is there something negative that pushes me forward that holds somebody else back? Like, I'm a cisgender, I'm a cisgender dude. There's, like, my, my, my trans friends deal with shit that I don't even have to think about on a daily basis. And I've got to keep them, I've got to keep, my mind on that kind of stuff because they do. I don't want, I don't want to get a leg up on trans people just because I'm not trans. And being a man in America, I don't want to get a leg up on women just because I'm a man. I want to get a, I want to get a leg up because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I've got to be mindful of those kind of things in the same way. And I hope that people, I hope that non-black people, I hope that white folks are being as mindful about that stuff as I've got to be when it comes to the points of oppression that I don't <clears throat> have it. Yep. Would you, do you feel like there has been progress in that with Black Lives Matter and things like that? Or what, what's your honest take? I don't know, yeah. honestly. I remember when Barack Obama was running for president. I remember hearing about a Ku Klux Klan leader talking about, we should all go out and vote for this Obama guy. Because if we get a black president, the real racism gets started. Mm. And we immediately got Trump. After two terms of like an Ivy League educated, well-spoken, overly qualified, personable person, we got a YouTube comment in a, we got a YouTube comment section in a toupee. Yeah. (laughs) That to me is amazing. Like the turnaround on that was so stark and like they actually want him to come back and run for president again after being impeached and after causing a riot in, a, in, in the nation's capital. They want him to come back. It's hard for me to say, yeah. yes, there's been all sorts of progress when that right. still exists. You right. know, there's yeah, there right. there's a there's this wonderful photo at some protests and it's but scary that I don't even know which one because there's so many. It was just like an old lady holding up a sign that said, I fought the Nazis. I can't believe I've got to be, I can't believe that in 2022, I'm still fighting this shit. It, I'm in my forties. It's scary to me that, to think that I might be in my seventies or eighties holding mm. up that same sign. Yeah. Mm. That's powerful. If history tells you anything. I don't know if everything bubbling to the surface is progress, but that is what's, happened right it's bubbling and yeah we'll see where, it, where when it simmers down we'll see we'll see what's left in the pan yeah kevin thank you so much for coming yeah. on i want to i want to ask you something that we ask a lot of our guests and i'm very excited to hear your answer to this what makes you feel empowered and what do you do to stay in your pleasure in a daily weekly monthly way what makes you what's me Make, what makes me feel empowered is just being around mm. the right people. Being around the right people. Sometimes the right people is just me, my, me by myself. A lot of times it's me, it's my kids. My dad is, my, my kids are tweens, <laughs> tweens now. And dad is still a jungle gym and we still uh-huh. have a good time hanging out and everything. My, my partners make me feel like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I can armor myself in their confidence in me. And hopefully they can armor themselves and my confidence for them. 
just being around the right people. Because yeah. I've been around the wrong people before. Like even people that I've loved, even people that I've been in relationships with, I've had partners who felt like they needed to like take me down mm. a peg. I've had partners who felt like me writing books or being on podcasts was me doing too much and so on and so forth. Just having people that want to prop me up and also who I can learn from and who can tell me when I'm doing something wrong, but in a way that's not like an accusation. Mm. Ah, that's amazing. Kevin, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come. He, we were talking before he came straight from a pool party with his kids to be here with us. He's on a whole <laughs> other coast. Thank you for the type of, for the man that you are for being willing to have these conversations in the way that you do. The world really needs more men like you and just, I'm really yeah, trying my best. Yeah. Thank and you. just your, and your courage and the fact that I think you said it best, like I'm to be willing to be loud because these conversations need to be had in this way. And we really appreciate you educating us today and really just dismantling, you know, what some people would consider taboo. That's why we have this whole podcast is to have these conversations for people. And we just really appreciate you and the way that you were able to have this conversation with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks yeah. for having me. Thank yeah. So, much. Uh, so Kevin, you do have a lot of incredible resources. You have a book. You also have a, co- a, a course, Unfuck Your Polyamory, and a ton of other fantastic articles and resources. What is the best way for people to stay in touch with you, to get connected to the resources that you have? What's the best way for people to follow you? I'm poly role models on everything. I'm poly role models on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. My website is kevinapatterson.com. And I do a lot of work. I do a lot of work with Dr. Liz Powell, who was, who was a Burning Ooh. Man attendee. Yeah. Dr. Liz and I teach a class called Unfuck Your Polyamory. We've got a six-week course that's pay what you can, pay as you go. On, on our website, unfuckyourpolyamory.com. We're currently working on pro-level courses for people with pro- relationship coaches, Ooh. therapists, mental health workers, who anybody who might have a polyamorous clientele, we're working on that. Amazing. And myself and Alana Phelan, the polyamorous librarian, we've got a series of queer polyamorous superhero <gasps> novels called For Hire. And uh, Alana and I, we're working on the next several books, but we've currently got three For Hire books now. So if you're into queer polyamorous, superhero stuff it's all pros no 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 drawings on this one but if you're into superhero fiction that's a good Ooh, place to start that sounds like something i could definitely be into <laughs> so yeah and i love that it. so again thank you so much kevin clitorati we hope this conversation made as big a difference for you as it did for us i'm sure it did go and follow kevin take advantage of his incredible resources and we will see you next tuesday bye-bye Bye-bye. If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.